the Father, we come before you in prayer. And Lord, we just ask now that you would take this service and let us sing these songs to your honor and glory. Lord, we're thankful for the blood that cleanses us from all sin. We're thankful for a Savior that came and lived among us and suffered and, and put up with everything that we do, attempted in all points as we were, yet without sin. Lord, we praise you for sending Jesus. And we ask now that you would help us to reflect to this world in which we live, that which you have done in our lives. We pray the Holy Spirit would have freedom to give us understanding of God's word and to let us leave this place different than when we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing. Amen. Ask, seek, and knock. And children, we'll have you dismissed at this time. And the rest of us, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, we're going to start there this morning and uh, work our way through the scriptures. And let's get a little bit of room up here. Don't think I'll be traveling quite that far, but uh, there's a huge debate. It has been since the beginning of time, since... Uh, Cain and Abel argued, who can be saved? And in modern times, we've had two basic explanations. Uh, we have the group that says only the people that God programmed to be saved can be saved. Uh, we call them basically Calvinists because a guy named John Calvin uh, built that doctrinal system. And then we have what is known as the Arminians, which say that everybody eventually will be saved. Strangely enough, a guy named John Arminius. And uh, as we have these two people arguing back and forth, can only people God picks to be saved be saved, or could only everybody be saved? What is the answer? And... Uh, the simple answer is, read your Bible, they're both just as wrong as they can be. Because man can't explain God. We believe in a sovereign God, but we also believe in a God that gives you a choice. And the scriptures reflect this. I met a guy one time, he says, yes, yes, you're going to see whosoever will as you walk into heaven and you'll turn around and you'll see a sign, those chosen in God before the foundation of the universe. You know, that's cute. But if you're that desperate to justify John Calvin, go do it somewhere else. Amen? Uh, we just don't need that guy around. What we need is the Bible. And here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and, and uh, I don't often recommend doing this, but we're going to kind of use this as a diving board this morning uh, to dive into the pool of God's Word. And verse 22, Paul is explaining to the Corinthians, he's at the very end of a, a, a several verses here of uh, verse 20, to the Jew I became a Jew, to them that are under the law is under the law, that I might gain them, to them that are without the law. And to verse 22, to the weak I became as weak. But here is the phrase, the second half of verse 22. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now, Paul was not talking about him as a human being being able to give salvation. Read the rest of Paul's writing. Only Jesus gives salvation. What Paul was saying was, I want to be used of God as much as is possible to bring God's message to everyone. And when I bring God's message to everyone, 
some will get saved. You know, we could solve probably about 80% of the world's problems if we could just understand this verse. It's not the church's job to save the world. It's not the church's job to rule the world. If you study medieval history, the Catholic Church thought that it was their job to rule the world. And they fought wars to get that done. Some of the bloodiest and most gruesome wars in all of history were fought because a religious leader in Rome said, we need to have all Christians under one banner, mine. Now let me tell you something. If you're truly saved, you're under one banner. It's Jesus's. But not everybody that uses the name Christian is saved. Do we understand that? Jesus said, many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Preachers, done many wonderful things. And and listen, do not look for the proof of your salvation in what you do or what you feel. Because how many of you have ever been used to the Lord to accomplish anything good? Isn't that wonderful? How many of you have been allowed yourself to be used by other means to do something really horrible since you've been saved? Everybody raise your hand. See, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Amen? It is all about Him. Not everybody's going to be saved. But we have a responsibility to get the message out to as many people as we possibly can because we don't know who the some are. And so we take the message by all means to all men. That's what Paul's saying here. In Luke chapter 13, I'm just read the verses here. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? They asked Jesus the question, Lord, it, it seems by your teaching and your preaching that not everybody's going to get saved. This was a real tough thing because the Jewish people had this understanding that if you were born a Jew, you were, sa- you were going to heaven when you died. That was the end of the conversation. Just because you had Jewish blood running through your veins, that meant you had a special relationship with God. Now, let me tell you, that has never been true of any people group anywhere. I've met some people, I was born Baptist, and I'm going to live Baptist, and when I die, I'm going to be Baptist dead. But that might... That might get you into the cemetery next to the church. But that might not get you to heaven. Because salvation isn't in a church. Salvation's in a person. The Lord Jesus Christ. And they asked Jesus this question. Well, Lord, are you trying to tell us that only a few people are saved? And Jesus said these words in Luke chapter 13. He said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. He said, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try to be saved. And they're not going to get there. Not because God didn't want them to come. It says, for God so loved Does anybody know the next two words? The world. Aren't you glad that God didn't pick and choose? He loves everyone. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to pay the price for all sins. God will not be responsible for you missing heaven. If you wind up in that place of eternal torment, It will be because you have carefully chosen the road yourself. Now, it's amazing 
how careful, carelessly people carefully choose the road to damnation, is it not? I mean, we're out passing out tracks on Saturday on the streets, and, well, this is a gospel track from a church. <laughs> I don't want to touch that church. Oh, oh, I might get infected. You know what? Maybe something bad happened to them in some church. We often say this here because it needs to be said. You, if you attend this church, it won't take long before somebody in this church offends you in one way or another. You know why? Because we're all human beings struggling together to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to make mistakes. We includes me. Pastor is going to make mistakes. You are going to sin. We are all going to do things. Now, I would pray that it would never be purposeful. That it would be just as most, if your brother is overtaken in a fault. But you know what? We go to each other and it's through the blood of Jesus. We forgive. We get forgiveness for ourselves. But that's also the well from which we draw forgiveness for others that have injured us. Amen? So, we have to understand that Jesus, in his teaching, Paul, in his teaching, the Bible, all the way through from beginning to end, says there are things that are going to separate those, the majority, who will not be saved from the smaller group, the few that will be saved. Now, I'm not here to talk you out of your salvation today. But if I can talk you out of it, it's not the Bible kind. Amen? The Bible kind is eternal because it's based upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want us to turn to Luke chapter 18. And this is another place we're going to ask this question, who then can be saved? Luke chapter 18. And of course, this is the story of the rich young ruler. And for some reason, our Sunday, uh, our Thursday night Bible study as we're going through a harmony of the Gospels and our Sunday school lessons as we go through the Bible one story at a time. Well, this morning we had several. Often we'll have several shorter Bible stories in one Sunday school lesson. And, and then uh, the, the preaching have all kind of gathered in the same place. Uh, I think maybe the Lord's trying to get us to pay attention to something. Amen? Uh, in Mar Luke chapter 18, we have the story of what we call the rich young ruler. He's the one that came running to Jesus and fell on his face and said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus said, Keep the Ten Commandments. He said, Oh, I've done that. Then he asked the most important question, What do I yet lack? Because keeping the Ten Commandments didn't save me. I have no assurance that I'm going to heaven. Lord, there's something else that I need to do. And Jesus said, I'm glad you recognize that, not in those words. But he said, now take everything you have, sell it, give it away, and come and follow me. What does the Bible say? Let's look at verse 22, I believe. It says, Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And we come down to verse 26. As Jesus is... Telling this man, he is walking away. How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier, verse 25, to go through a needle's eye than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. 
And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? Verse 27, And he said, These things which are impossible with men are possible with God. The first point I want to make today is if you are saved, you are saved by the miracle working power of Almighty God. You are saved because God himself, the creator of this universe, personally intervened in your life. You cannot be born into a saved family. You cannot do enough good things to earn salvation. You cannot, in the Middle Ages, what was the test? The test was the sprinkling of water upon a baby. And then they drowned that baby in false doctrine so that they would never know the truth. I'll tell you what. Nothing could be more tragic. It takes a miracle of God to humble the human heart. Does it not? It takes a miracle of God for the sinful, unseeing eyes, the sin-hardened heart, to be open to the truths that are in this book. God has to do that work. With men, it's impossible. With God, it's possible. Aren't you glad God is in the soul-saving business? How many could say, Amen, I know I'm saved? You see, the only way you can have the knowledge of your salvation is by what's written in God's Word. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be Saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Amen. Only God can do the miracle. It takes a miracle to get saved. But the second part of that is, turn with me to the last chapter of your Bible, Revelation chapter 22. We're going to look at the other side of the coin here. It takes a miracle. It takes God's intervention to be saved. Look with me at Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And what's that next word there? And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. It says, Whosoever will. Now, whosoever, that's pretty simple. Just break it up. Who? So, ever. So, it's any who, any time, because of the word ever is in there. If you show up and you ask for God's salvation, He will give it to you. Now, there is a catch. The catch is God doesn't save you to do what you want. God doesn't save you so you can feel better about things. God does not save you so you can realize your inner champion. Is that what that fellow says from Texas? Realize your inner, or actualize your inner champion or something like that. I'll tell you what's on the inside. It's a desperately wicked heart and deceitful above all things. Leave it alone. Put your attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It says, whosoever will. Now that word will, 
is an important word. Will means that you have to make a choice. Now, I've met people on both sides and, well, you can't live a sinless life. Yeah, that's true. On the other hand, well, if you sin after you're saved, how can you be saved? And again, we go back. Uh, Some people call it lordship salvation. Hey, if Jesus isn't your Lord, he's not your Savior. But... There's no verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not sin after you get saved. But there is a verse in the Bible that says, You won't go out and willfully sin after you get saved. And people get confused because, Do you know that saved people can entangle themselves in terrible sins? But what it's talking about is the person who says, Well, You know, God just made me this way. I can't help that I'm addicted to fill in the blank. Drugs, pornography, rock and roll music, politics. I mean, any of the evils in our world today. You're addicted to those things. You say, I just can't help it. No, the Christian says, God will help it. And you struggle. I've had many people over the years who say, Pastor, how, how do I live this struggle? It, it just never gets any better. I just keep fighting and fighting and fighting. Why doesn't anybody ask Bill Gates about how much struggle it took him to build Microsoft? Hello? Why doesn't anybody get upset at these Olympic athletes who have to put forth all of this effort and practice and and strenuous duty and give up their schooling and their education just so they can compete in an athletic event, and yet we get upset when Jesus says, you're going to have to work a little bit, my friend. It's not going to be easy. There is going to be some struggle involved. There's going to be some tribulation involved. Hey, I want you to understand that when we look at those Olympic athletes, they're rewarded for that effort, are they not? Jesus says, you're not going to serve a cup of cold water in my name that you're going to lose a reward for. You know what, Christian? It's time to get up and get busy in your service for the Lord. If you've got Bible salvation, it's time to live because we do not know who those some are. There are people that will not listen to me tell them the color of a sheet of paper because I am a pastor. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna brainwash me. Oh, I wish we could get all the filth out of there. Let's pour in some real water and just clean that. I don't know what I'd do. Well, I know what you would do. You'd serve the Lord. Amen? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Because here's what Jesus said. Mark chapter 8, if you want to turn there. Let's look at the Scriptures. Mark chapter 8. We'll start reading verse 34. And when he called the people unto him with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? 
Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I want to challenge you today to look at the world in which we live as an exchange. There are things being bought and sold. And the most precious commodity that is on the auction block today is the human soul. You know, there are people that will sell their soul. I made sure and stuck one in my pocket this morning. It's the only one I got. But there are people that will sell their soul for these things. Do you think God's going to be impressed by how much money you have in your bank account? Several years ago, we were street preaching on 30th Avenue and... and, uh, A guy pulled the dollar bill out and waved it at him. He said, here's my God. Thought he was going to be smart. I said, do you know what October 29th, 1929 was? And he stopped and turned around. He says, I have no idea. I said, that's the day your God died. People were throwing themselves out of windows on Wall Street. The market crashed. It didn't go down 10% or 50%. The whole bottom dropped out and everybody was penniless. Let me tell you, my God died, but he came back to life again in three days, amen? And he says, I don't need this. I need him. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? People strive. They sacrifice. They work. Never fails to amaze me how far someone will go to chase a little ball. Isn't it crazy? $30 million a year to chase a little white ball, a $120 million contract to chase a little ball. And by the way, if your 70% failure rate, you're doing very good chasing that little ball. Now, right? If your batting average is over 300, you're doing pretty well. Oh, to the Lord that we would chase the things in this book called the Bible as eagerly as foolish people chase after a little ball. They'll even inject their bodies with all kinds of drugs that they know are going to shorten their lives and cause them all kinds of diseases just so they can hit that ball one more time and get in the book of records with an asterisk after their name. Does that make sense to anybody? And yet they call us crazy for losing our life to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I wouldn't trade if you gave me five contracts. Because what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You're going to save your life. You're going to program your life. You're going to make your decisions. The Bible says you're going to lose everything. But if you'll give everything to Jesus, you'll have it all. You see, while the theologians are arguing over who can be saved and who can't be saved, the true Christians are taking the message of Jesus to the world in which they live, and some are getting saved. And after you get saved, you get baptized. And after you get baptized, you serve the Lord in the local church. And 10 and 20 and 30 years later, I'll tell you what, you'll understand the only thing that matters is what you've done to serve the Lord. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 2, 
book of Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. It says, but we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. You see, you and I are faced with this thing called death. It is standing ever before us. We have no guarantees of another moment. Now we expect by God's grace that next Sunday everybody that is here will be back. But I'll tell you what, if we follow our Bible, what we should say, if the Lord will, by His grace. Because if the Lord wants me up there I don't want to stay down here. Amen? Read the story of King Hezekiah. If he had just surrendered to the Lord, there would have never been a Manasseh. The wickedest king that ever reigned in the city of Jerusalem. Be trusting in the Lord. If you can trust him with your soul... Why can't you trust him with fill in the blank? Trust him with your life. Why can't you trust him with your reputation? Why can't you trust him with people who are trying to hurt you? Why can't you trust him with people you would like to hurt? Amen? Uh, Because he'll stop you. Why can't we trust the Lord? You see, the reason we can't trust the Lord with the little things is because often we're only pretending to trust the Lord with the big things. When you truly trust God with everything, that kind of sums it all up now, doesn't it? Why did Jesus tell the rich young ruler that he had to get rid of everything? Because the things he possessed was more important to him than Jesus. Jesus isn't telling you to give everything away. What he's telling you to do is to surrender everything to him. The writer of Romans, the Apostle Paul, tells us that it is a living sacrifice, holy. That means separated from the world. It also means complete Totally. And so as we read these verse, this verse in Hebrews, we see God's plan to reach some. He sent Jesus by his grace to taste death for every man. Can you say amen to that? It takes a miracle of God to take the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and apply it and make it part of your life to take what Jesus did and put it on your record in heaven. That's a miracle of God. And yet, that miracle is open to whosoever will. You say, how can I know that God will still save me and forgive me? One question. Are you alive? Just put your finger over here. Take your pulse. If there's something beating in your wrist, God is still capable of saving you and forgiving you. Amen? Don't Get over your salvation, my friend. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. 
Ephesians chapter 2, some verses you should have memorized. And if you don't, memorize them. Ephesians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 8. For by grace, for by grace are ye saved through faith. It takes two things for your salvation. It takes grace and it takes faith. You see, God wants to save everyone. Paul writing to Titus said, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto whom? All men. Writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus tasted death for every man. God's grace is that He wants everyone to be saved. We go back to the beginning of our message and we have Mr. Arminius coming up and saying, See, I told you, I told you, everybody's going to be saved. Wrong. Because it's got to be through faith. To the point to where the disciples said, who then can be saved? Are there few that are saved? And Jesus' answer was to strive to enter in at that straight gate. Because many are going to try, but they're not going to be able to get in. And then Mr. Calvinist comes up and says, see, I told you so. Only the elect, only the elect. I say, no, you're just as wrong as Mr. Arminius. Because God's faith is not sealed. It is open to whosoever will. God's grace. Now it's got to be through faith. How do you apply God's, get God's grace applied to your life? Well, it's through faith. Faith is the conduit that brings God's grace into your life. It's so simple. The Philippian jailer brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, well, you have a couple of hours. The list is rather long. There's a lot of complicated things that have to happen before someone like you could actually get saved. Is that what he says? No, he and Silas answered in unity, in unison, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. I read in a commentary one time, you see, well, there had to be children in the jailer's house, therefore babies got baptized. So, wow! You ought to try out to be a lawyer, Right? I mean, you qualify for the politician badge. If you can find that in there. What he was saying was, just like Jesus said, whosoever. But you've got to make the decision to come. It's whosoever will. Babies can't will. They can want, and they can cry, and they can fuss. And they will. But to get saved, it's whosoever will. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not of works. Aren't you so glad that verse is in there? I'll tell you what. People say often, well... Well, I'm just trying to do the best I can. You can't work your way to heaven. But let me tell you, you can get a luxury accommodations on your way to hell by working hard. You can make it nice. You can make the trip sweet. But when you get to the destination, it's not going to be any of those things. If you want a trip to heaven, it's got to be through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not of works. It's not of yourself. I've often used this example and just want to again this morning. How many of you have ever been around just little babies? 
three or four months old. You know, it doesn't take much to occupy a little baby. In fact, they're flinging hands this way and that way. God built into a baby to exercise itself. Sometimes I wish that would just last a few years longer. How about you? But when little Philip broke his leg, he was not even three years old, and the doctor said, listen, he won't need any therapy. He said, those little ones, they just do it all automatically. Don't we have a great God? But how many of you have ever seen a little baby play with their hand? And they're just up there wiggling their fingers, and all of a sudden they see it. Ah, ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh. Oh, that reminds me of so many people in religion. They think they had a thought. The only problem was it was somebody else's thought. But they're going to take credit for it. And they're going to go around explaining to everybody how smart they are because they had a thought. That's the basis of all cults, my friend. It's the basis of all false religion. That's why Cain killed his brother Abel. He had a thought. Tell you what, God's already thought it out. And all you have to do is agree with him. Isn't that wonderful? I agree with God that it's not from me. It's not because I have some great education. Humanly speaking, my education is barely recognizable. But I will tell you this. You spend some time with this book and the smart people are going to be saying, I don't understand that. Oh, that's because these are God's words and not yours. It's because you have to go to the Lord and ask him to explain his word to you because it's not of works, it's not of yourselves, and lest any man should boast, lest any man should have anything good to say about himself in the presence of God. Say, but I, I feel bad about myself. Good! That's where you start. Bring your mess to Jesus. He'll fix it. He'll straighten out all the tangles. He'll put it in order. He'll conform you to the image of His Son. But you have to will to do that. You see, God's plan is to save some. But he did that by making his grace available to all. And giving us the ability to choose or reject. Say, but I'm not I'm not sure what what Jesus would do with me. Maybe maybe he'll make me be a preacher like you, and I don't want to do that. Well, let me tell you something. I've heard people talk about, well, I was drug kicking and screaming into the ministry. You know what? I don't know very many people that were being totally honest when that happened. God didn't drag me kicking and screaming in the ministry. I went to my preacher as a little teenage boy, and I said, I think God's called me to be a preacher. What do I do? He said, well, you just get busy serving the Lord where you're at. He said, you let him take care of that. He said, it won't be long before you'll know. Well, you know what? I just surrendered to the Lord, and all the things I wanted to do all, all of a sudden became unimportant. I wanted to build my own race car. I wanted to go into the Marine Corps. I wanted to do this and do that. 
I want to serve the Lord. I want to be where he wants me to be. Talked to Brother Horton yesterday, went out to visit him. Need to pray for him. He's just struggling. The, the cancer is not going away, not going to go away. Just need to pray for Brother Horton, if you would. But three or four times, I spent about an hour over there, tried not to wear him out too much. He said, just keep doing what you're doing. Just stay in there. I'll tell you what, that's the answer. Because that's what faith is. It's not doing some heroic great thing. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you got up in the morning tomorrow and instead of your regular routine, spend a little time with Jesus? Instead of planning your day by the things that you need to get done, spend enough time with Jesus to plan your day to get done the things he wants to get done. By the way, he wants you to be a good employee. Read your Bible. He wants you to be honest and careful with your time. He wants you to do the best you can. Unless you're a bartender, then he wants you to quit, get a real job. Amen? The uh, Lord doesn't want you to serve filthy trash to other people. But the Lord does want you to serve him. It's not complicated, my friend. The hardest part of living the Christian life is daily. Take up his cross daily. That's the death of me so that the life of Jesus can be lived through. My hope and prayer is that everyone in this auditorium is part of that sum. Amen? But I can't see in hearts, and I thank God that's not my job. Somebody said, you, you spend so much time, it's like you don't think that I'm saved. Listen, I don't know. And I would much rather make you uncomfortable here on earth so that you could be comfortable for all eternity. I've often said, if you come to church and you're not saved, I hope you're miserable. I really do. I don't want you to be comfortable. I want to motivate you to trust Jesus as your Savior and get that issue of salvation settled. Amen? And then I want to encourage you to get into the battle. To just serve the Lord day by day. Now don't you worry about getting your claymore and cutting through the enemy's troops. That's not your job. How many of you even know what a claymore is? Okay, three. Uh, it's one of them great big long swords like this. The blade's that long. But let me tell you, that's not your job. Your job is by all means to take his message to all men so that God's grace will be shown to them and they can make a choice to get saved. You know, there's a lot of people that are going to wake up in hell someday because someone gave them false information. That terrifies me. Read the book of Hebrews. God says he's going to hold pastors accountable for what they preach but he's going to hold members of the church accountable for what they heard. You can't save somebody else and nobody else can get saved for you. You have to make that decision yourself. 
You see, Jesus tasted death for all men. Amen? For every man. For by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What's the next verse? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If you're saved, God wants you to live like it. He's got something for you to do in his service. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, I ask that your message would be understood, that we would be able to see in the mirror of your word where we come in. Lord, I pray for those that are here today that are not sure they've entered into the gate, that, Lord, they would be willing to do, to get rid of, to lay aside those things which are keeping them from entering the gate. Lord, I pray for those that are saved today, that we would just look back at salvation and understand that it is an eternal salvation, that it was paid for by Jesus Christ, and it's all about you, and that you would encourage us to live for you in each day till you come back. Lord, we ask that you would give us your grace, that we may bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz, if you come and lead us.